Welcome to Beyond the Call, the podcast for all law enforcement professionals and all those who support them. Sponsored by the National Police Credit Union. We mean police business. I'm your co-host, Ken Bader, with co-host Casey Smith. Casey, how are you? I'm doing great. Besides this baby cold that I'm trying to fight, <laughs> decided to show up at the last minute. Is there any such thing as a baby cold? I mean, you're either I, sick listen, or you're not sick. <laughs> I'm a firm believer that I can fight this off in 24 hours. I just, I gotta, I gotta make a plan. <laughs> well, you know, you always give me a perfect segue because yeah. we talked about fighting, and we've got the yes. perfect guest for that. We've got the founder of Blower Tactical Systems, Coach Tony Blower with us today, who's going to share a lot of great tips uh, on that particular subject. Tony, welcome to the wait. show. Hey, thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Good to be here. Hey, great, great to, to have, have you. you. <laughs> well, you know, I'm just going to jump right into it because you, I've had the distinct pleasure to talk to Tony before, and I've, I've gone through all of the sites. Uh, I'm really glad this is on video and not in person because I'm pretty sure, Tony, that you can kick my ass. Um, <laughs> and that brings all kinds of memories from high school and everything else. Uh, <laughs> Ken, I think a, a lot of people could, but we're not gonna we're not gonna pick on you that much today. Yeah, that's why I don't do this in studio with Casey either. But well, let's go to something important, which is is you founded the Spear System, from what I understand. Yeah, tell us about the SPEAR system and, and how it's used in law enforcement particularly. Well, SPEAR is an acronym for Spontaneous Protection Enabling Accelerator Response. And it's really a, um, you know, a succinct acronym describing what happens uh, uh, with the physiological system, the psychological system, and what specifically what needs to happen in a confrontation at extreme close quarters when there's sudden violence, your body's physiological system through intuition instincts responds uh, more quickly than your complex motor skill cognitive brain can allow. A lot of people still don't understand this. In other words, what happens is, is a stimulus gets introduced too quickly and your reptilian brain, your survival system, bypasses cognition. And this is manifested in what you, like the layperson, goes, oh man, I got so scared there, I flinched. So we see the hands come up, we're protecting the head, pushing away danger. Uh, you know, I discovered this serendipitously in the late 80s doing some drills on trying to understand like, like close quarter ambush inside the reactionary gap. You know, you're talking to somebody with an arm's reach and all of a sudden that person swings at you. So the most common attack against police officers in terms of frequency and, and also effectiveness is just a sucker punch, like a John Wayne hook punch to the head. Um, you know, officers there uh, just talking to the guys, maybe within arm's reach, and all of a sudden, boom, something happens. So the most common attacks, uh, you know, this uh, sucker punch, a tackle, a gun grab at close quarter, they trigger emotional psychological responses that bypass cognition. And so what we've been doing is, is literally for decades now trying to insert this research into all defensive tactics training because it'll enhance the survivability of every, every police officer anywhere. Because what, what the conventional thinking is like uh, almost like a DOS 
statement type training, if then go to, oh, when right. he does this, you'll do this move. And it just, it just doesn't play out that way. Anyways, I went off on a little bit of a tangent rant there because it's, it's, it's something oh, that, that it's good. very near and dear to my heart. It's frustrating to me because our approach is all science. It's physiology, physics, and psychology. We're not, you know, we're not looking at like technique or sport or martial art. We're just looking at human movement and we're specifically looking at what the predator does and how that impacts uh, our movement. So back to the acronym and what is SPEAR. So spontaneous protection is our respect for and the integration of physiology and the startle flinch. Specifically, how to weaponize the start of flinch. How do we use something? So if you think, if you know any first responders, EMS, uh, emergency response crew, and ask them where there's trauma when somebody goes through a windshield. Mm. There's always trauma on the hands and the forearms. So think about that. Yeah. How fast you hit, you hit an obstacle that, that propels you out of the car. How fast is your physiology, not your hands, like a lot of people go, wow, those hands are fast. No. How fast is physiology that before your head can hit the window, your hands can come up yeah. to protect your head, right? Okay. And you also see you also see trauma in knife and gun victims uh, if they're attacked from the front in the hands. So I know through research and forensic specialists know that this, this is true. And what I did is I reverse engineered a personal defense system around physiology and converting that flinch and weaponizing it. Wow. Yeah, Those wow. are the kinds of things <laughs> that we would never think about. It's, 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 it's pretty crazy. You know, it's, yeah. it's, uh, you know, we've, we, I've been teaching now 41 years. Mm -hmm. Um, and we started researching and developing the, the whole, like there wasn't an acronym. I didn't go, I've got an idea. Like I'll hire a marketing firm and what I need a cool, it was, it was really an organic, um, you know, uh, natural evolution. I was, I was back in the eighties when you know, there was no digital camera. I had that big, you know, RCA, uh, VHS, yeah. uh, you know, with cassettes and then filming stuff and, and notice a drill. We, we, we aptly named the drill, the sucker punch drill. I was, what it was, we would just do these scenarios and we try to sucker punch each other. We'd mm -hmm. have like mouth guards on and boxing gloves. Mm -hmm. But I, what I, what I was doing was studying movement. I wasn't like, trying to figure out how to sucker punch people. It was like studying movement. Why my, as a scientist, as a martial scientist, my question was like, why doesn't this shit work? Right? <laughs> right. Um, exactly. Here's something I want to throw this guys, this, this at you. Uh, it, it's, you know, people either love my research or they hate me personally. And, <laughs> and, and it's a very, it's a very polarizing thing. And it's very frustrating because, you know, I've been doing this uh, uh, for like four decades, you know, mm -hmm. and, and, uh, I just want to make people safer. I want to make our, our first responders safer. I want to make our cops safer. I want to make our military safer. I want to make citizens safer. Mm -hmm. And what I noticed as a lifelong martial artist is that whenever I was in a confrontation, I was scared shitless. I was having trouble controlling my breathing and my thinking. Mm -hmm. And then if a fight happened, all of my martial technique went out the window. And if you look at, and I, I say now years later, you know, the litmus test isn't what you believe, it's what we see. And when you look at CCTV, when you look at body cam, when you look at, at, at dashboard video, you don't see around the world technical movement when there's true violence. You don't, right. see, <clears throat> you don't see the stuff we teach at the DT Academy or the tra at the training center. And so I looked at that back in the day and I went, 
you know, if I watch a boxer train and then I watch a boxer fight, I see similarities. If I watch a football team train and I, and I watch a football team play, whether they win or lose, I see the same movement. But when I see a DT class or a martial art class, self-defense class, practice, mm-hmm. a gun disarm, a knife disarm, how to defend a tackle, what to do with a, a punch, right? You know, you see a guy throws a punch. It's very stylized. There's a rising block. The hand comes up perfectly. And people, people practice this for thousands of hours, trying to master that. And then you never see that ever anywhere in a real fight. And my brain, it was my gift and my curse was like, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I just, I reverse engineered a system based on not how I want to move, but how my body moves in response to the bad guy's movement. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because, you know, <laughs> half joking, you watch, you watch a goofy movie and you see a bar fight and everybody is you know, just completely mm-hmm. choreographed and Strategic. synchronized. Yeah. You know, it's if the chair comes just at the right time. But uh, having yeah. been to a bar or two in my lifetime, I fortunately haven't been involved in one, but I've seen a few bar fights and they're never that choreographed. If people no. are, you know, <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen to throw something in here. You're, you're you know, Ken, you're at, you're absolutely right. That's that, you know, uh, I mean, one of the problems, Problems. I, like I jokingly say, hey, through osmosis, watching action films, you know, you watch like like the John Wick movies are a ton of fun, and right. and, and and the the uh, Keanu's uh, firearms instructor is a legit badass. I mean, he's a uh, you know a, a world class firearms instructor. Keanu can shoot. You know, the jujitsu they're doing, the close quarter fighting. Uh, like like I always say, like, hey, listen, that's great, and everything works in a demo. Yeah, everything yeah. works in a demo. Yeah. The litmus test, once again, isn't what you believe or what you want to believe. It's what we actually see. Right. Uh, you don't. The, the cop in the street doesn't get to have uh, a, a world class coach train him for a fight, which, in the metaphor here, is the release date of the film mm-hmm. seven months from now. So that one cop isn't training four or five moves for seven months for this one fight where a stunt man is, is going to feed him a target. Mm-hmm. You know, um, this stuff is scary. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you know, we all know people who've lost their lives in the line of duty who've been, who've been injured or maimed, or we see the stuff on the news. Uh, the, the, the training that cops get for the most part doesn't support uh, the fight they face. The training they get doesn't support the fight they face. Did you did you guys see the movie Sully? <clears throat> what was it called? Sully about the um oh, the, the pilot uh, Hudson yeah yeah who who landed the the flight on the Hudson. Well, it th- that story reminded me, or that description reminded me of so- sort of when they were evaluating why he didn't just turn the plane back and go back to the closest airport, and you know at the you know they had simulations and they had all these other pilots do the simulation saying you had time to turn or turn the plane around and take take the plane back to safety instead of landing it in water and he said you're not accounting for the human uh reaction time which i think was like 17 seconds or something like that in that in that moment and then when they gave or added that time they realized that they didn't have time to move the or take the plane back and that he didn't have a choice but to land it in the water and it reminded me of that when you said that because we don't think about the emotions that are happening when you get into a fight or um you know the the fear the anger the unknowns you know all that stuff so it really um, yeah, that no, that, 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 that Casey, that's a great point. And one of the things, 
when we start our courses, uh, we start with the emotional psychological, like a, a quick dive into the emotional psychological. And one of the questions we ask people, I go, you're, you get sucker punched in a fight. Where's the first place you were hit? And they all, somebody always says in the face and I go, really? Yeah. Did you know that guy was going to resist? And they always say, yeah. And then, but you haven't been hit yet, but you knew something was wrong. Mm -hmm. You didn't move your hands. You didn't disengage. You didn't engage the guy. You didn't step offline. You didn't shift your stance. You just knew something was wrong. That was your intuition mm -hmm. and your instincts trying to tell you shit's about to go down. Yeah. And, and this is like a hundred percent like statistic. I've never met anybody in decades of teaching where I go, have you ever been hit ever in tech? Yeah. Um, where was the first place you hit? And they always say, well, and the guy tackled me when he grabbed my gun, when he punched me in the face. Mm -hmm. I, and, and I always say, did you, was it a complete surprise to you? Did you know this guy was going to be a problem? Did you know before that he was going to fight or resist? Mm -hmm. And when they peel the onion back, they go, yeah. I said, so what happens is our emotional system starts to, starts to pick up stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like this, if I can uh, create this visual, if you've got um, uh, an alarm system at the house and you're in the house and you set the alarm, and then the alarm goes off in the middle of the night. You don't jump out of bed and immediately go to a camera, grab your shotgun, start to deploy your, your, your countermeasures. Mm -hmm. You sit up in bed and go, right, what, what was that? And then you kind of look over at your, at your partner and you go, the alarm's going off. Shit, right? And you sit there, look at each other. And this is in, in the Sully metaphor, what we, don't, what we don't train our cops is we train them like a RoboCop. It's the DOS system. When he does this, you do that. Mm -hmm. That's also... And this is why we, we you know, I, like our, my tagline is the spear is the science of self-defense because we're using physiology, physics, psychology to uh, reverse engineer training. But this also supports people, not just in the event, but also after the event, when people are challenging, you know, why didn't you do this? Well, I was scared shitless. Right. And so I had to recalibrate my brain to catch up to the danger I was in. Mm -hmm. Nobody talks about that. That's a huge thing in our courses. How are you attacked emotionally? Mm -hmm. How do you navigate that? What does the emotional, I wrote an article in 1993 called The Theory of Presumed Compliance. Mm -hmm. uh, it used to be published in every workbook for Caliber Press's street survival uh, seminar. I don't know why it, it it, it ever was taken out because it's an apolitical piece on just this idea of uh, presumed compliance is this, this notion that just because you have a badge and a gun that everyone's going to go, okay, yes, officer. Mm -hmm. and, and, and clearly we know that there are a lot of people who don't. Uh, and, and, and more and more in, in the last eight to 10 years, the, uh, the, the disrespect towards our law enforcement has, has amplified and it's disgusting. But you can't go into like move towards harm's way and not recognize that if there is resistance, that it's not going to hit you in the face first. It's going to hit you emotionally, psychologically first. You've got to navigate that. That all adds to your reaction time. And all of that in this article, uh, presumed compliance right in the beginning, I, I, I wrote this, this piece, which was a, just a kind of a layperson summary of my scientific research. And it went like this, how we feel affects how we think and how we think affects how we feel, both influence how we move, right? And what that means is like, you know, you're fighting a little cold. So if I didn't know that and I said, hey, let's go to the gym and work out, mm -hmm. 
you know, your brain goes before you actually start moving. So you're like, your quads don't start to move. You're not like going, Oh shit. My, my muscle memory is taking me to the gym. Yeah. Your emotional psychological system goes, should I sweat it out? Should I not? I don't feel well. I don't have the energy. And then all of that goes on. Exactly. That's what happens in a fight too, mm. right? Where someone goes, I ain't going to jail. Right. And now, and now the cop's going, Oh shit. We forget that police officers under the uniform are human beings right. and they're subject to the same laws of thinking and feeling that you and I are. Mm -hmm. Now, you mentioned that you've been doing, uh, doing this for four decades. How and when did you develop this spear system? Was it the, around the same time that you founded the Blower Tactical Systems in 85? Um, I always make fun because my, 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 you know, of course, the, the being around so long when I incorporated, I used my last name. You know, I had an original name. It was a, a, a it was a tactical confrontation management systems. Okay. And I had a, um, a former employee, you know, break away and not only copy some of our stuff, but copied some of our names. So he, mm -hmm. he set up a company called uh, Confrontation Management Systems. And I'd like call him. I go, dude. Dude, <laughs> I go, like, oh, it's, it's, it's not the same. I go, yeah, but like I taught you everything you worked for me and you're like, and, and what end what ended up happening is my, uh, you know, we sent them cease and desist and all that bullshit. Uh, but it's different. So this is more about ethics and morality. Mm -hmm. But my lawyer said, and this is back in, in the eighties, he said, if you want like the name that nobody can mess with, you got to put your, <laughs> if you put your name on it, they, you know, you're Blower. But I always make fun of myself going, you know, Hey, the uh, Blower system, what, like what are the chances that I would find this really effective self-defense program that had the same last name as me? And I worked for that company. That would be so good. I'm just making fun. Um, <laughs> but it's, and, and so, uh, you know, that wasn't always the name in 1979, you know, when I started teaching at 19 years old, uh, you know, I didn't have a name. I had a business card that said, you know, functional martial arts on it. Right. right. And, and I, and I, and I, and people go, why do you write functional? Like, cause, and I would always say, cause most of it isn't right. <laughs> so I try to, you I know, like that. Yeah. Um, it's true. It, it, it's true. Listen, like, like, and this is why I said like people either love our philosophy or they hate me personally, because when I say stuff like that, People think I'm putting down jujitsu, Krav Maga, Thai boxing, and I'm not putting any. It's not putting anything down. That's like saying, you know, I have a bunch of guns, but my favorite go-to gun is my Glock because I really don't have to clean it. I'm not worried about dropping it and getting it wet or dirty. And so, in in a survival situation, that's what I'm reaching for first. Right. Um, you know, keeping uh, keeping in mind and respecting the fact that I also work my mind and my body, and that's a message to everybody. We are all human weapon systems, and if you don't think you can protect yourself, it's because you've been domesticated. There was a time in our lives where all of us knew how to hunt, mm. we knew how to kill food, or because we were going to die if we didn't. Mm. You know, and, and, and so it wasn't that long ago where you could be out like on a ranch you know, in the countryside. And if, and if bad guys came up and, and, and your partner was in town trying to sell pelts or pick up some supplies, mm -hmm. you were on the deck with a, with a black powder rifle going, get off my property and you're right. ready. And people think when we see the Western, we think, wow, look how badass. you know, if we were really there, that person was trembling. They were scared shitless. They're having trouble breathing, right. but they knew the penalty of inaction was rape and murder. Right. right? So, you know, um, Anyways, uh, uh, 
off of one of my my rare rants. <laughs> and, um, but but the uh, but yeah. So you know, in in the eighties, uh, I I had a uh, more of a martial arty name uh, for my system. It was called uh, Chu Fen Do. C H U F E N Do means the way of Chu Fen was the uh, the uh, one of the Chinese dialects that referred to punishment, the way of punishment. And um, you know, in the eighties, it was cool to have an Oriental name. Right. You know, it was like that was the 80s. Bruce Lee had just it's, passed away. The martial cool arts. Now, great. Just ask. Him. No, no. <laughs> now, 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 you, now you need some cool, sexy acronym. Everything's a cool acronym. And here's the thing is like is there are a lot of people out there that are very accomplished martial artists who have a cool acronym. And what they're doing is, you know, people think they're learning combatives and defensive tactics, but they're learning a martial art. Mm. So the same laws of physiology and science apply to these individuals. And that's the danger and that's the risk. And listen, you can hate me and you can have a little, you know, Tony Blower voodoo doll and you can poke pins in my head. Um, and, I, and I'm talking, I'm talking to the, like to the naysayers, but you know, evidence-based training is based on evidence, right? And, and so what you should be able to look at what you're doing and then see that manifest itself in, in the street. Right. And so, um, you know, that's just a, uh, like a cautionary note for people getting into it and also a sanity check for, you know, what's the product you're trying to, you're, you're trying to push. So in the, in the, in the mid eighties, I converted the name to, uh, uh, Blower tactical systems. Uh, and, uh, and it was originally tactical confrontation management system. I had the little, little legal issue and then I shortened it to, it was Blower tactical confrontation management management system. Then it was just BTS and that's just the corporate name. Spear actually uh, uh, manifested as an acronym uh, in the early 90s. I started doing the research on physiology and start off Lynch, not even knowing what it was in the around 87, 1987, when I was doing this. This is when I developed the sucker punch drill. And it was a specific drill we did in our training. And it was to explain to people that as you got closer, proximity scent became the mitigating factor because it changed what you could see and how long your brain had time between stimulus and response to make decisions. Hmm. That, you know, if you stood 10 feet away from me and you moved back and you went, I had to punch you in the face and you started punching from 10 feet, I wouldn't flinch. I'd go, holy shit, this, this guy needs glasses. He doesn't realize he's like 10 <laughs> feet away from me, right? That's he's how I me. fight. um, um, but that's that's like as he got closer suddenly it's like wow this guy might hit me like your brain is recalibrating right Right. and so it's it's this spatial relationship it was a huge thing in in self-defense and so um when when i started developing the spear system the actual it's kind of an interesting story the first uh version of it was that I had to get my hands up and in and when we were doing the drills the only way that I could stop a sucker punch was by getting my hands up and intercepting it by kind of like jamming the attack and so what I would say when I figured out the movement pattern I would tell all my students that I would teach it to I'd go, hey, listen, when he moves, you're going to flinch. And what we notice is that whenever you flinched, the sucker punch would hit your elbow, your forearm, your hands. It wouldn't hit your face. Mm-hmm. When you tried to do wax on, wax off, right? <laughs> and this is like, like and, and I use that as a metaphor for yeah. any complex. And listen, well, again, I'm not making fun. This is sure. science. This is physics. This is math. What's faster, action or reaction? Reaction. 
action or reaction. reaction. Okay. People who haven't done the homework will say reaction because reaction sounds faster. Action is always faster than reaction. Action's always faster. If you're moving, you know, if you're moving uh, uh, 70 miles an hour and I can move 70 miles an hour and you start first, you'll always get to the destination first, right? You know, it's like, it's like those SAT things like like two trains leave LA yeah, and New York. Yeah, I was never good at that. Right? Oh, yeah. I wasn't. I was, I was, nor I. But, um, but the, the concept here is this, is action's faster than reaction. In a ambush, Who's action? The good guy or the bad guy? The bad guy. The bad guy, right? So when you have when you have a training modality that says when the bad guy does this, you do that, you're already violating physics and math. Mm-hmm. There's nothing to do with like is the technique sexy and cool. It's like when he gets you in a headlock, do this. When he grabs your gun, do this. Right? That doesn't take even into account this, and this is a huge part of our training is, you know, of course, it doesn't factor in the emotional psychological attack. Oh, there's a human reaching for my gun. Mm -hmm. I just kissed my kids goodbye. I'm at the end of my shift. I'm really tired. I let my guard down. Oh, shit, right? Um, It doesn't take into account any of the emotional psychological. Now we expect people just to respond like Robocop without emotion. And that was Robocop's problem, which is why I use the, right? Is like, if it was just a robot, it wouldn't matter. Right. Right. And so, and so it's like, oh, shit, this moves late. But they don't tell you that at the academy. They don't tell you that in training because the training is cooperative. You know, Malcolm Gladwell made famous the, all the research around 10,000 hours, 10,000 reps. So if you do 10,000 reps of a uh, weapon retention move, somebody grabs your gun, you're going to pin his arm like this. You're going to step here. You're going to do X, Y, Z, step, 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 step. But what that doesn't account for, and this is the most important stuff, and this is, again, illuminated in the training, we go, if you're going to do 10,000 reps for a weapon retention move where the rep scheme is set up by role player grabs your gun, and then you do this, and you think, well, if I do all these reps, I'll get really fast and good at it, it still violates action versus reaction. If you're doing 10,000 reps to master that, guess what you're doing 10,001 reps of? You're always doing one more rep, letting somebody attack you. Yeah. Do you get that? Yeah, I never thought yeah. of that. That's yeah. like if I say, okay, hey, throw that punch at me again. I'm going to practice this bob and weave this block. I, if, if that is my MO for training, I'm always allowing myself to be attacked first. Yeah. And that yeah. is the way training is set up. And this is, again, one of the big this – is, this is one of the big – like our stuff is based on neuroscience and understanding how, how the brain learns – and, and, and uh, uh, you know, retains information and how the brain processes stuff. You're creating myelinization of your neurons to move a certain way and to move at a certain speed, but it needs to have a certain stimuli to trigger that movement. If the stimuli is actually putting you slightly behind the curve, sure. it changes everything. A lot of most of our work in, in training and undoing this is uh, uh, creating functional intelligent movement when you first get the instinct and intuition saying there's something wrong. We're not waiting for the headlock to get on. We're going, we're going, okay, this guy just changed his, his foot position and he just looked over my shoulder. He's looking for witnesses. He's looking for an escape route. And now the system should start to activate. Yeah, that's, that's really it's pretty fascinating. different. Yeah, no, that's, that's fascinating. Um, first off, we certainly don't hate you because this is like mega interesting. 
Um, you know, also, you know, even reminds me a little bit, Casey and I did an interview a couple weeks ago with the founder of Yoga for First Responders, and she was talking about her teaching. Granted, you know, a lot less deadly than what we're talking about here. Uh, but, you know, she even talked about the fact that, you know, she went back to, you know, original teachings and of, of yoga and what it was supposed to be and not, you know, some of all this, this new, my words, not hers, stuff that, that, that's out there. And, yeah, it, it, leads, it leads me to think as well, you know, in your, in your training, you, do you find any differences when you're training law enforcement versus training other first responders or, or military at all? Um, well, that's, that's an interesting question. And, and, and so it depends at, at the beginning of the course, there's no different from my team side, right? And so if, if I was going to, let's say, let's say we, I was going to train you two, it would still start with understanding fear, psychology, emotion, physiology, you know, then it would shift into a, a more scenario specific um, focus, right? And, and uh, so the, the, the underpinnings of the course never change. Because unless, unless you go, Hey, by the way, like I'm an alien, I'm a, like part unicorn and part mermaid. So I, I go, well, maybe you don't flinch the same way we do, or you don't have the same fears that, that we do. Right. So, uh, the, and this is the beautiful thing is I can work with a tier one military group mm -hmm. and I could work with like teachers at a school and they're getting, uh, the same lecture drill sequence on converting the flinch where things change of course is the timeline of their mission or their area of operation or the scenario um and of course huge things change when you've got like like people who like if we're talking about like active shooter teachers mm -hmm. uh they can be angry and want to learn stuff but in the back of their mind they're going you know all i really want to do is teach kids how to right. read I did, like I didn't sign up for this shit um, where I could be talking to like a SWAT team and they're, they're going, I'm not interested in teaching kids how to read. I want to go catch the bad guy. And I did sign up for this shit. Right. So, so the mindset of how they're responding to the material changes. Um, and then of course, you know, there's, there's, you know, fitness factors. And, and it, it really, I wrote an article for caliber press a couple of years ago saying, Hey, listen, like, you know, like your fitness is your responsibility. And, and, uh, uh you can see, you know, just, I don't want to get in trouble here, but just like, like the average cop doesn't, the average cop does not take care of their fitness the way a SWAT cop does. Hmm. And, 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 uh, and then, you can go up tiers like like a hostage rescue. Somebody on a full time hostage rescue team has a different level of fitness and training, and and a lot of it is driven by how much money that group gets, whether they've got you know uh, yeah. other other tasks or responsibility. If you're full time SWAT, you know you're just doing that. Where most most cities don't have full time SWAT, so their SWAT team is a cop, and th those guys will be fit. And the message here, without getting specifics, is sure. is you know, if you're, if you're waiting till you get onto like a, like a, like a, uh, like a special team for football, 
if you think about it like this, because I used in this article in Caliber Press this like sports analogy that you wouldn't show up to camp out of shape, waiting to see if you were going to be on like the special plays team, like like a, you know, right? You show up in the best shape of your life because that's what's going to get you that. But more importantly, here uh, in law enforcement, whether you're a firefighter, uh, whether you're uh, you know EMS, whether you're SWAT, whether you need to be in the best shape you can possibly be you know, for your mental health, for your physical health. And if you got to fight, you know, for your life one day, your fitness is going to be a factor. So, so yeah, there's a big difference. And at the same time, there's no difference for us. Right. So of all the trainings you have done, what is one of the best uh, success stories that you might be able to share? Honestly, like, like uh, I don't have a, a single one. I, I just got, uh, um, letters. I mean, if, if you go to, if you go to my website and you look at our testimonials from whether it's, uh, uh, Dave Grossman, uh, you know, who, you, you know, you know, burst onto the scene with, you know, his book on killing, right. Uh, you, you know, in the stuff that he says about me, uh, Kieran Fitzgibbons, who's, um, uh, one of the best MMA coaches in the world and what he says about our training to uh, um, the uh, like I, I, I tell people because it's like one of these things is like this stuff just works. I get emails every week from somebody who said this saved my life last night. You know, and I haven't even met them. I've been trained them, right? I've got a mobile yeah. training team around the world. That, you know, this this last week we had like five courses going on in Scotland, Philadelphia, UK, Australia. I mean, uh, and 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 so the my favorite story is the is is the story that's still being told and unfolding is that people are realizing, you know, when I I said when I was twenty years old, um, uh, that that. You know, I was talking to a group and they said, what are we exactly we're learning here? Because it was like, it didn't seem like it was regular self-defense. I said, I'm teaching you life extension insurance. And they're like, what? Life extension insurance? I go, yeah. Like, like in the moment, you're the first responder in your fight, right? We're talking about first responders. Well, the first responder is the first responder in their fight too, Mm -hmm. right? So somebody's on you. I mean, how many incidents have there been where your backup actually saved the day? Cause this guy got the jump on you and people need to step back and look at that and realize like they called me to come help them. Right. That was the nine, the the nine 11 call. They called me to come help them. And now I'm being ambushed. Who am I calling? Right. And I was telling you, you got to be your own hostage rescue team. What does that mean to you? Mm-hmm. What does that mean to your fitness? What does that mean to your self-awareness? And you can't have an emotional political bias to some, you know, martial art. If you, if you get this, this fixation on Taekwondo, you're going to try and kick. If you've got a fixation on, on jujitsu, you're going to try and go to the ground. If you've got a fixation on OC, you're going to try and spray, right? You need to be spontaneous. You need to be adaptive and, and, and you got to have your shit together. Force must parallel danger. So you've got to threat discriminate and have kind of like a, like a, like a simple toolbox that will get you out of danger where you can recalibrate your brain, get in the fight and, and, and make the move. So to go back to your question, I don't have a, a, a favorite. Um, I, you know, I, I, we had a, um, uh, a female prison guard in the UK who, uh, got sucked into a, into a cell, uh, guys in there bitching about some food and, and, and he had fashioned a shank. And when she got drawn in there, he slashed her across the throat. 
um, and severe enough that she couldn't scream for help and she was trying to stop the bleeding. He jumped on top of her. Uh, he's like trying to, trying to kill her. And there's a drill we do and you guys can Google it and you can link it to the show. Uh, there's, a, there's a couple of videos on it called the Saving Private Ryan Drill. Um, and, and if you just Google Tony Blower Saving Private Ryan Drill, I show how uh, in the scene where the Nazi kills the American soldier in Saving Private Ryan, that's what it's based on, how had, had anybody understood the difference between the flexor chain and the extensor chain and how to engage your, your extensor chain, you can stop somebody from driving a knife into you temporarily while you get your shit together, breathe properly, get some oxygen in your brain, and figure out what we call CWCT, closest weapon, closest target, start to transition. So we did, we've been doing this drill for decades now. It gets taught in every law enforcement course. Uh, you know, it's, it's, and, then, and to show how, how physiology and physics doesn't require you to be in a good stance. You can be on your back. You can be, have your back against the wall. You can be fighting in a car. If you understand physiology, it makes you stronger, whether you're a female, male, small, or big. So here she is on the ground. He's mounted her. She's bleeding out of the throat. He's now trying to drive. It's like the Saving Private Ryan moment, right? And so she by by default you let go of your throat and grab at the knife and the hand and she's in this position and what she does is she's she's in the cell she using her legs kind of shinnies on her back while he's on her trying to drive this this makeshift knife into her um out into the hallway because until then the her backup that's sitting and watching like a cctv doesn't see anything in the hallway right mm -hmm. now suddenly he sees like a head emerge from a door mm -hmm. and then another head over the top picture this right. and he's like holy shit he gets up running down the hallway and just kicks the guy in the face like full soccer kick yeah. like a dead run knocks him out saves her life mm -hmm. right and like i wasn't there and i didn't even teach her this was somebody who got like i got goosebumps now reliving the story but i have literally we could do a whole show on saves like that mm -hmm. but it's not like a technique right it's somebody remembering Right. Push away danger. Use your physiology. Right. Use human weapons. You know there are no there are no dinosaurs around. They died, right? But there are humans. Humans adapted, and so the 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 hardwired uh, component that we're using to teach and make cops safer here is the startle flinch response, which is like an over an eighty thousand year old. Uh, uh, part of our DNA. Right. So it's part of what's kept us alive. And I make this joke, you know, sometimes in class, I'll go, I don't see any dinosaurs here, but right. <laughs> you know why? But I do see, I do see humans and I talk to, so the, I'm trying to inspire people. We are human weapons. And if you don't get it, it's just because you've been domesticated. You've been living inside the castle walls for too long, thinking that some like militia is going to protect you from the marauders. Right. But inside all of us, I've had people say I'm a pacifist and I always tell them there's nothing wrong with being a deadly pacifist. You should know how to protect yourself because violence doesn't care if you're a pacifist. Violence doesn't care if you're a liberal or Republican and violence doesn't care what defensive tactic system you trained. It just happens. Yeah, I love I actually wrote this down. I, I love this line life extension insurance uh, with with with, yeah. with my work with police credit unions and, and what we try to do. Uh, I'm going to incorporate that somehow, but I will give you credit for it, Tony. Uh, yeah, please. Well, it is a credit. It is a credit union. So give me credit, please. Exactly. I will. I will. Yeah, I'm sure I'm sure Casey could could find a way to hook you up. But um <laughs> Yeah, one one really important question, and I may already know the answer to this, given given your last story. 
But you know, for our audience, if there's one best piece of advice for self-defense, what would that be? Well, you know, trying to keep it uh, succinct, like every victim of violence who lived to tell the tale, whether it was, you know, uh, 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 you know, a citizen who wasn't uh, a police officer or even, you know, I've been teaching cops for, for decades and, you know, they go, and then this just happened out of the blue. And when I sit with them, I go, well, wait a minute, peel the onion. And they all come back to, yeah, I knew there was something wrong there. Nobody is acting then. So we, we always say in our lectures, you know, I call it VOV, victims of violence. And a lot of people like if I if I write that on a board and I'm in a class with 30 cops, they think I'm talking about the person that they're rescuing, mm-hmm. right? So the reframe is no, I'm talking about you. You can be a victim of violence too. Mm-hmm. And every victim of violence who lived to tell the tale said they had a bad feeling before the attack. That's a hundred percent of the time, yeah. right? I mean, if if you're if you get on base 50 percent of the time as a as a professional baseball player, what do you get at the end of the year? Right. Like check. you're going to get <laughs> right. Right. I mean, like if, if you're in the stock market and 50% of your investments work, like you're right. Like and what I'm getting at is a hundred percent of the victims of violence said they had a bad feeling. So it's not like 90 or 80 or 70 or 50, Hey, 50, 50, like, like air on the side of, you know, so we always tell people hashtag choose safety. And what does choose safety mean? You know, all fights, all fights run through some version of what we call the three D's, detect, defuse, defend, detect and avoid, defuse and deescalate, and a push comes a shove, defend. And, and that could be a law enforcement fight, it could be a personal defense scenario, but they all flow through situational awareness, oh shit, something's happening. Mm-hmm. Then verbal, hey, what's going on here? Let me see your hands, or oh, you better call for backup. And listen, a lot of people think I'm talking externally like downrange. I'm talking about D1, D2, D3 detect and avoid, defuse and deescalate and defend, that starts internally and then moves externally. You see how holistic this is? Mm -hmm. Do I have self-awareness that enhances my situational awareness? Am I aware of my prejudice, my, my bias, my, 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 uh, uh, my shitty attitude that puts me in more danger? Am I working to become a better uh, athlete, better human, better whatever? That's self-awareness and situational awareness. Working to The verbal defuse, a lot of people immediately go, yeah, I told the person, let me see your hands. The verbal defuse, I'm talking about when you got out of the car, did you notice you were holding your breath? Self-awareness. Mm-hmm. Did you tell yourself, take a deep breath, relax, get focused? Did you check the back seat as you walked in there? Those, that's pretty tinted windows there. Or are you just like a robot going, okay, now the vehicle stop and I'm walking out. Yeah. Right. right. And so these conversations happen internal and external. Mm-hmm. And then the self-defense part is, is that that's a real emotional, psychological moment. It's not just the physical. Mm-hmm. Are you going to fight for your life? What does that look like? Are you training for that? You know, and then, and then, and so the, the, that's the long answer, the substance of the subject. What I always tell people is choose safety. What is the safest right. thing you can do during a D1? What is the safest thing you can do during D2? And what is the safest thing you can do during D3? Um, there are uh, several uh, police officers that moved towards the danger, went into the reactionary gap, and got seriously injured, even killed, because they thought just because they had a badge and a gun that they should move towards the danger when what they should have done is called for backup, right. set up a perimeter, you know, shared some Intel, 
right? So they didn't choose safety. So the choose safety thing is a real, a lot of people think they confuse choosing safety with playing it safe. That's not what I'm talking about. You got to do the hard thing. Moral, you can't have, you can't have functional courage without moral courage. I just uh, interviewed uh, um, Craig Sawyer, a former, uh, I don't know if they say former Navy SEAL, retired Navy SEAL. Um, and he, we had a good talk on moral courage and I realized like that's, that's a potent thing that we should all be talking about. Right. Now that's you know awesome examples. Um, you know you you actually make me feel good because I you know I, I I'm not a cop. I've, I have a huge affinity for police officers, but um, I grew up in Chicago, lived in Chicago for almost uh, 40 years, and I'm only 25, so figure that out. Wow. Um, but he <laughs> says this every time. I don't know why he is not 25. But people keep laughing at it, so I'm going to keep saying. It. But I was. I was back. I live. I live in LA County now, but I was back in Chicago last year, and I was right outside Union Station uh, with my wife, and I was uh, waiting for uh, for a lift or an Uber or something. And you know, it had been a long day of travel, and a homeless guy came up to me, is asking me questions. And you know, sometimes you're just not in the mood for it. And I just kind of, in my usual Chicago smartass way, yeah, just kind of said, you know. Yeah, I'm, we're good. You know, move along, move along. And and he got, he kind of started getting in my face. And it's funny how your mind works in terms of self-awareness and safety because the things that were rolling through my mind very quickly were, I could take this guy and he deserves me to shout back at him, but my wife is right here and do I want to really get into this? Instead of saying what I want to say, I could back off and just say, yeah, yeah, that's right. I'm a jerk. You have a good day. God bless you. And that kind of diffused him a little bit. And he started walking away while he was still yelling at me. And rather than, than con confronting him verbally, which is usually my nature, I said, you know what? I, did not, I didn't think this, but using your words, I chose safety for me and my wife. Say, you know, this is not worth getting into because this is the easy way for him to just keep walking down the street. Um, so great, great tips, and and I, I I love your your angle in terms of, and it's not really an angle; it's substance because it goes back hundreds and hundreds of years um, to you know, the the thoughts behind what happens in those types of situations. Yeah, you, you just with I just wanted to throw in with respect to the, you know the story you told. You know, one of one of one of our messages to everybody is never let ego or pride dictate right. your next strategy, mm -hmm. right? And 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 if you look at this, I'm going to throw you under the bus a little bit because I don't want you to get in trouble in the future. Is how ego and pride is what fueled your first comment to right? No, you're exactly right? correct. Yep. Right, yep. and then and then ego and pride is what made him respond but right. then you chose safety but you can go back right like when we talk about get off the x you know that's picking up danger way before when i walk down the street i'll see the homeless guy there and i'll read his body language yeah. and i'll cross the street if i have to mm -hmm. right you know so i don't even i'm not even in in range for a conversation right sure. it's just not worth it it no. you know 
What is, yeah, I just I just want to get through my day. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I got shit. I got shit to do. Yeah, Plenty. Which, yeah, which is which is all of our our police officers. I mean, they just want to. You know, at the end of the day, they just want to go home to their families and and not have this this kind of ridiculousness sometimes. Well, it's it's tricky and it's hard for them, right? Because they can't cross the street if they see something. Right. But exactly. what we can remind them is choose safety and don't let ego or pride dictate your next strategy. Yeah. You know. Well, awesome. well, what we are in range for um, is, I believe, Casey's favorite lightning round. So I'm going to turn it over to her. <laughs> All right, Tony, don't be alarmed. This is just a fun segment. Um, nothing worth taking very seriously. So don't think too hard about the questions. Um, all right. So I'm kind of nervous that yeah. I am a fear management expert. But go ahead. <laughs> don't be nervous. Um, number one, your favorite crime fighter of all time it can be human animal superhero or machine well i just saw deadpool too so yes. so i love deadpool he's so I'm, sarcastic i'm gonna go with, i'm gonna go with deadpool <laughs> nice all right number two um best buddy cop movie or tv show Oh wow! Um, my brain just went blank because there's there's uh, so there's so many so many great ones. I mean, uh, pass. Next question. I can't. Okay. <laughs> I don't, I, I, as soon as, as soon as we get off, as soon as we get off, I'll. I'll you got to give me some multiple choice. There's <laughs> right. there's so there's there's so many good ones, but I don't watch. Uh, uh, a lot of TV, but yeah, a, a lot of people tend to choose like really, really old ones because no one has time for TV anymore. So, right. Uh, what, were, what were some? Of, what were some of the ones you've had in the past? Uh, we had Lethal Weapon. Lethal Weapon is a big one. Yeah, that's a yeah. Big I one. mean, you know, I mean that you know that's a classic. But yeah. but, every, yeah. but every every movie has like some like uh, you know buddy buddy role. Yes. There's just so many good ones. It, it really is. No, I agree. Um, number three. What is your definition of a hero? Uh, somebody who does, as again, comes back to that moral courage is like somebody, you know, somebody does the right thing, knowing that it's going to create, like you could step back and go like, this is going to be a shit show. This could cost me my job or my career or, and, and we were you know, good, good screenwriters know how to, how to make that happen. Whether it's like the Jerry Maguire you know, right. type moment where you, uh, and then of course we, we cheer for like any time a good guy, you know, crushes a bad guy. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, in, in real life, it's like looking at something going, wow, that took balls to do that. Right. No, I agree. Yeah. Um, number four, who would you say is your hero or the person you admire the most? Wow. Um, that's a that's that's a tough one. And you get I bet you get a lot of corny answers like my mother, my father, my you know, and, and sorry for if I insulted everybody who said that. I just insulted like like a million I just insulted the planet. I think, Earth. I think it's just been me and Ken so far, but you know, you know, it's like um uh like I've got so many. There's not like one person I always go to. I've got, you know, like a couple of a few mentors that but they've got like qualities where I go, Ooh, I don't want to do that. Where, you know, um, you, you know, uh, like, you know, honestly with what the, some of the stuff that I've been through in life, in business that, you know, my backbones, my wife, mm -hmm. you know, she 
where I've said to her many, many times, we wouldn't be here if this weren't for you. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know that I could do all of this because she, uh, you know, while I was, while I was cutting my teeth, doing my research, I mean, I, I was on the road sometimes two, 260 days a year, uh, you know, like a deployment, right? But like, I'm all over the world. I'm driving across the States. I used to live in Canada. I'd drive and I'd do these events and before I couldn't afford flights and really believed in, in our mission where, uh, you know, I've, I've missed kids' birthdays. I've, uh, and this is, I promise, was an accident. I missed moving twice and my wife did it herself. I swear, honey, if you listen to this, I, I wasn't just in a hotel sitting there waiting for you to move the house because I hate moving and putting things in the boxes. But like shit like that, right? Yeah. Where I go, you know, and all the business stuff, family stuff. So, uh, but I have, I have, I have, I have many. I love it. That's really great. And that's a really honest answer because I think yeah. we all do have kind of a, a team of people that we look to and admire and things like that. It's rarely one person. Right. And listen, I've got like, I got a tattoo on, on my forearm and uh um uh and it says you're the hero in your story mm. and um i like that and i remember when i originally saw it it was a tattoo that that somebody had and it said i'm the hero in my story mm. and i went that's a cool tattoo except it's a little selfish yeah and and that's what i thought and when i had it done i had them change the it change it so that if if casey if you were looking down on my arm and you notice the tattoo and we didn't even talk about it. When you read it, what did you read? You read. Yeah, I was the hero in my story. Correct. So anyone who reads it reminds them that they need to be the hero in their story. You need to be your own mentor. You need to be your own coach. You need, you need to be your hero. Nobody's coming to save you. Right. Tony, you, that was an amazing way to, to close that out. <laughs> I'm, I'm very, I'm very moved. Um, so lastly, um, if anyone's interested in the spear system or, or Blauer tactical, how can they reach you? Where should they go? Um, uh, I guess the easiest thing is just, I was going to make some like, like, uh, you know, SOS call, you know, like a, like a, like a bat light in the sky and we would, we would be there. Um, Hey, after telling everybody that, Hey, you know, you're your first responder and you're here in your store, you can't reach us. You got to take care of it yourself. Right. Uh, um, but that's not good for business, but seriously, not usually. Uh, like we've got, we've got a bunch of, of, uh, websites directed towards, you know, we've got, uh, a program called be your own bodyguard, mm -hmm. uh, you know, which is for the general public and anyone uh, can do that. But all of that stuff is, and I know because I, I just mentioned that because this show is, is focused on, on law enforcement. Right. Uh, but all of, all of our offerings can be found on, on uh, any of our websites. If they just Google Tony Blower, okay. our main website is Blower, my last name, B-L-A-U-E-R, Spear, one word, BlowerSpear.com. Perfect. Awesome. awesome. Well, that was that was an awesome interview, Tony. Thank you so much for being with yeah. us. Um, you know, I think I got a new hero now, Casey. After listening to that, I I, I love. I'm the, telling the you. Yeah. Thank you so much for Thank being you. on the show. My my pleasure. I had a lot of fun. Thank you, guys. Absolutely. I can't believe anyone doesn't like you. <laughs> lots, lots of people. If I could figure out a way to monetize my haters, I could retire. Wow. Well, let's, let's hope you don't have to do that. And, right. And, and for those looking, whether you're in law enforcement or in another profession, you know, check out um, Tony's website. And we'll, we'll, we'll also put it up in the show notes. 
um, because yep. there's a lot of, of really good information on there. Um, mm -hmm. and, and Casey, tell people how they can find Beyond the Call. Yes, um, Beyond the Call, we're on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher. Um, and while you're there, be sure to share it, rate us, all of those things. They really matter and they help us to, uh, you know, be able to spread the word and, and share these stories about law enforcement and the, those who support them. So uh, we really appreciate all of the feedback. But if you have any questions or comments you'd like to cover um, or a guest that you think would be great, um, certainly send me an email, ksmith at nationalpolicecu.com. And you guys have a great week and be safe. Yeah. Thank you, guys.